Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is season 4, episode 43 of this daily study podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today as we begin a new week of study in our Come Follow Me materials. We are looking in the uh, the week of February the 7th to, to February the 13th, covering Genesis chapters 12 to 17 and Abraham chapters 1 to 2. Uh, and today we're going to begin with Abraham chapter 1. As Abraham chapter 1 and 2 give us a bit of background uh, about Abraham before we move into Genesis 12, where we are kind of thrown straight into his story. Um, so we'll begin with Abraham. And if you remember, the book of Abraham was the um, the record that was translated uh, from the rolls of Egyptian papyri that Joseph Smith was able to purchase. Um, and... What I want to try and do is, as we go through uh, the, these sections, is first of all, obviously, see what we learn from them. But also, I'm very interested to see what we can learn about um, the things that verify that the Book of Abraham was a was a translation of an of an ancient um, ancient record. Whether that was on the papyri themselves, or the papyri were a a conduit through which the uh, the revelation was received. Um, frankly, I don't really mind. Uh, what I mind about is that this is a true record, and there's a number of things in here which either show that Joseph Smith was an extremely good guesser, uh, considering he hadn't studied it about ancient Egypt or anything like that, and the knowledge about ancient Egypt at the time of Joseph Smith being alive was very little, um, or it was a revelation from God. Uh, for example... In Abraham chapter 1, verse 1, we begin by reading, In the land of the Chaldeans, at the residence of my fathers, I, Abraham, saw that it was needful for me to obtain another place of residence. Now, <laughs> I think uh, I, I love this verse because it's kind of an, an understatement of the century. Um, as we move forward, we'll see why Abraham realizes it's probably about time that he moves away uh, from the place of his fathers in the land of the Chaldeans. Um, but before we do that, um, the first thing I want to point out is how this is being written. You'll notice that this is written in an autobiographical um, kind of way, that Abraham is speaking in the first person. And this is uh, quite unique. Um, in the, uh, the, in the, the, the Book of Mormon central uh, people have created a Book of Abraham Insights, uh, similar to the Book of Mormon ones. And in the Book of Abraham Insight, number one, they say, quote, When the Book of Abraham was published in 1842, no other texts from a similar time and place were known. The Book of Abraham was unique in that respect. In the last nearly 200 years, archaeology has uncovered more texts that we can compare with the Book of Abraham. Close quote. So in other words, at the time of the Prophet Joseph Smith, to have a book or a record which was speaking in the first person like this uh, was very unique and basically unheard of. And so people would probably argue, well, clearly that shows that's Joseph Smith writing it uh, with that naivety, not knowing that this was not a, an ancient tradition of that time and, and in that place. However, since that time, many others have been found. Uh, and so it just shows again that Joseph Smith was able to uncover uh, that truth rather than try and fabricate a lie 
Uh, and so that, I think, is a very interesting beginning anyway. But going back to Abraham, uh, he says in verse 2, And finding there was greater happiness and peace and rest for me, I sought the blessings of the fathers, and the right whereunto I should be ordained to administer the same, having been myself a follower of righteousness, desiring also to be one who possessed great knowledge, and to be a greater follower of righteousness, and to possess a, a, a greater knowledge. Um, we see here that Abraham's desire uh, is a very important factor in the beginning of this record. That his desire to be a, a further follower of righteousness, to be able to uh, seek the blessings of the Lord that were promised to his fathers, is an important um, hinge point in his life, and one which leads him uh, to well the great blessings that we will be in, we will read this week uh, in the covenant that is promised. Um, President Damon H. Oaks said, quote, As important as it is to lose every desire for sin, eternal life requires more. To achieve our eternal destiny, we will desire and work for the qualities required to become an eternal being. If this seems too difficult, and surely it is not easy for any of us, then we should begin with a desire for such qualities and call upon our loving Heavenly Father for help with our feelings. Close quote. So are we like Abraham? Do we have desires for righteousness? I mean, of course, we should, have to, we should try and have desires to not sin. But as President Oaks taught, it, re, it requires more. We need to desire to become more like our saviour. It simply does not do enough for us to sit back and think, well, I'm not doing anything particularly wrong, so I'm okay. We need to be trying to do good things uh, for other, others. Um, and so that, I think, is a great example from Abraham in these first few uh, verses of Abraham chapter 1. We're going to skip ahead slightly to verse 5, where we find out why Abraham is ha- what Abraham is having to struggle with. In verse 5 he says, My fathers, having turned from their righteousness, and from the holy commandments which the Lord their God had given unto them, unto the worshipping of the gods of the heathen, utterly refused to hearken to my voice, for their hearts were set to evil, and were wholly turned to the god of Elkanah, and the god of Libna, and the god of Makra, and the god of Korash, and the god of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So basically, Abraham's um, kind of immediate forefathers, his parentage, had turned to idolatry, particularly from the land of Egypt. Now, again, the names of Elkanah, Libna, Makra, and Korash, in the time of Joseph Smith, were not known. So in other words, these names were, were new. Uh, and again, uh, people uh, mocked and uh, and looked at these names as kind of foolish uh, attempts by the prophets uh, to be able to um, replicate uh, Egyptian, um, Egy- Egyptian deity. Um, but as we moved forward in time, three of those four uh, have been unveiled by archaeology and, and searching. Uh, and so again, the, uh, you can read more about that in detail. I'm not going to go into the, the full detail because we have so much to cover this week. But if you want to find out more, you can search Book of Abraham Insight number six, six which talks about one of them in particular, Elkanah. Uh, and you can learn more about the, uh, the roots of that um, false idol. But moving forward, um, we have here uh, a bit of the, the background as to why Abraham decides it's probably about time that he leaves. Uh, and it's this uh, issue about um, 
the, the human sacrifices that are being performed at this time. Um, in in the apocryphal records, uh, there is a bit of pretext to this as well. Uh, the story goes is that Abraham, uh, one evening, when there was a, um, a feast happening or a celebration happening uh, for Nimrod, who we've actually heard about before uh, in our studies, uh, who was basically a idolatrous and um, a wicked leader, um, he was um, having this gathering at Abraham's home with with Abraham's father, uh, and Abraham takes it upon himself to kind of express his uh, distaste at uh, the these idols. He goes in with a uh, with a a large club or a stick, and he destroys a, a vast number of the idols in the idol room, uh, and leaves the the kind of weapon that he's used to do this. Uh, in the hands of the largest uh, idol in that room. Later, when it is found that this has taken place, um, they they angrily accuse Abraham, and he says something to the effect of, "It wasn't me. No, not not me at all. Why don't you ask? Um, why don't you ask the idol that's holding the the weapon in his hand?" And they basically say, oh, "Don't be foolish. We can't ask them that." And Abraham says, "And there's my point. <laughs> um, you know, he it is just an idol, not a god." Uh, and so because of this, uh, we then find Abraham being uh, offered a sacrifice. His father um, agrees this for, to, for this to take place. And I, what I find fascinating about this, and I'll probably refer back to this when we uh, get to the experience of Abraham and Isaac, uh, which we'll be studying in a later episode. Um, just what memories would this bring back, uh, this experience that Abraham has to go through where his father uh, approves him being sacrificed? As we find in fact, facsimile one, and Abraham actually makes reference to this image um, in verse 14. He says that you may have an understanding of these gods. I have given you the fashion of them in the figures at the beginning, which which manner of figures is called by Chaldeans Rahlinos, which signifies hieroglyphics. Um, but as we know, um, Abraham calls upon the Lord uh, and the angel of the Lord appears and stops uh, the the people who, who are about to sacrifice him. Um, and in verse 16, the voice says, Abraham, Abraham, behold, my name is Jehovah, and I have heard thee, and have come down to deliver thee, and to take thee away from thy father's house, and from all thy kinsfolk, into a strange land which thou knowest not. Um, and so Abraham begins his journey, uh, of his uh, seeking to be more righteous, of his seeking to be led away from the idolatrous um, dispositions of his father's land and his uh, his immediate forefathers, and begins to search after the Lord Jehovah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope that's given us some good context for Abraham and this story as we move on. Please do uh, continue to listen uh, and follow the podcast, and until we meet again. <laughs>